Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. I have a fun-filled, I don't know what's going on again episode <laughs> for you guys today. And I truly don't know what's going on. You know, I, I love the assumption. You're giving me the benefit of the doubt that it's going to be fun-filled. Well, yeah, it usually is. Yeah, you're, you're a fun size guy. It's going to be a fun size episode. Yeah. We're all set. What have you got for us? What's going on? So, Chris, ever since the advent of the automobile, man has dreamt of one thing. Hey, Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough roads to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we, I don't, travel. we don't need roads. This is the end of back, the, the last scene in yeah. the movie. Yeah, and what are they doing? Flying. Yes! They're flying. I'm do you talking remember, hold on, do you remember flying cars. <laughs> do you remember seeing that for the first time? Yes. And just be like, oh Whoa! my God! Oh my God, it's a flying car! It's the coolest thing that the DeLorean's ever done! It's flying! Yeah. yeah it's it's, it's yes. way better than putting a juicer in the car. It's way better than that. Is it yeah. a, it's a juicer, right? Or it's, it's like a, a Mr. Mr. Coffee? Is it no, Mr. No, Coffee? No, not a Mr. Coffee. It's no, like I a, know it's like the future. It's a food Mr. processor. Mr. Fusion. Mr. Fusion food processor. Yes. It's a food processor, yes. Way yes. Flying car, way cooler than installing a food processor on your car. <laughs> Agreed. Although, that could be something that Tesla might add. I mean, <laughs> they've got farting, stupid steering wheels, food, food processor. processor. Why not? <laughs> I that in there. Hey, did you hear that Tesla is taking all their electronics out of their steering wheels? Because they have no microchips. Oh, really? Really, yeah. yeah. So you're just going to have a standard steering wheel that is still shaped like a yoke? Yeah, like a, like it looks like a dolphin head. I know. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I, I'm, no, it's fine. What I love is the aftermarket now sells full like regular circular steering wheels, and it's like a very popular mod to do your Tesla. Capitalism will Which fill is the like, void. Wait a minute. Capitalism will always <laughs> fill the void. Absolutely. Right. So okay, flying cars have been a stereotypical trope of movies set in the future forever. Right. You have the Jetsons had their flying car. Yep. Blade Runner. Total Recall. There I, it is. To, I still got this clip on the board. There it is right there. Uh, the Fifth Element was a terrible movie, but it had flying cars. Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd. And hey, of course. <laughs> Judge Dredd had the Harleys. You remember? Did they fly? Absolutely. Well, sometimes they crashed a lot. <laughs> Have you seen Judge Dredd? Is that the one where he wakes up in the future? No. Judge Dredd is with Sylvester Stallone, and he's, right. a, he's a judge. And there, it's this oh that it's one. this dystopian society where society's collapsed I'm and all of that's left man also a good movie yep it you know what's weird about oh, let me finish Judge Dredd is, is <laughs> it's great I'm wanting to, you know, it's, it's too many things at one time uh, is all you Are have you left caffeinated is caffeinated today Chris uh, yes actually I've had no food and a Mountain Dew so I'm there all I'm all okay. and like four Cheez Its. So. <laughs> <laughs> the breakfast of champions. Yeah. So he what happens is this dystopian society that's completely fallen apart. Uh -huh. Flying cars all over the place. But yeah. the, 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 the the lawgivers or the judges, the police and the judge are the same person. Right. So they basically Instant show justice. up. They show up and there's like a guy who was speeding or something like that. And uh, he just blows his car up. And he's like, <laughs> you have been, you've been judged. And then that's, that's it. But they ride around on uh, what's basically a Harley uh, it looks like a cross between a jet ski and a snowmobile and a Harley. Awesome. All at the same. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure you would absolutely love it. <laughs> they don't run very well. They crash all the time. Oh. So that would be, they're probably much easier to start than your original Harley. Yeah, though. I did put electric start back in my. Did you ever sell that thing? Or did you nope, keep it? Nope, it's in my basement. Are you serious? You still have <laughs> it's it? It's in my basement. <laughs> oh my God. And then Demolition Man. Yes. No flying cars in Demolition Man. You're right, there weren't. No, but one thing that I thought was interesting is, um, well, first of all, they have a Chevelle SS that ends up at the end of that movie. That's because right. Sylvester it was, Stallone wasn't is like it down in like the in the underground or something in the yeah. underground where they eat the rat burgers. 
Oh. The guy's like, oh my God, I really want a cheeseburger because all that exists in the world of Taco Dumbo- Bell. Taco Bell. <laughs> because it's the only one that won the fast food wars. Yeah, that's right. So that's it. That's all that's left is Taco Bell. They have gourmet Taco Bell. It's yes, like little yes. bitty tacos. I'm like, anyway, so he goes down there, he orders a burger. And he's like, this is really, really good. And uh, uh, Sandra Bullock's character goes, do you know what's in that? And the guy goes, yeah, it's a rat burger. And she's like, do you see any cows anywhere? But anyway, he gets in a Chevelle SS right. uh, and drives it around the city and just, it's fun. It's, it's Awesome. It's basically your wet dream. It, well, it's going to happen, except it's going to be me and 9-11. But the futuristic cars, they actually did a really good job, I think. Of, did they? Yeah, I think they, they all looked like Saturns from the early 90s. No, they don't. I think you're misrep- your brain is misremembering. Anyway, when be. they crash, they fill up with foam. Right. Which I think would not work. I feel no, like I feel you like would, that would just, just asphyxiate yourself. Well, and- you would liquefy because it would fill up with gel and then you'd hit the thing and without anywhere for your body to go or foam. Well, I think the foam's supposed to absorb. Yeah, but it doesn't. When they open up the door, I it know, like, it's it just like, his outline. It's like, yeah, yeah. I think that your body would just turn to slush <laughs> inside that. But also an iRobot. You yeah. remember he has a Ducati. Uh, I think it's, no, it's an MV Augusta. Okay. And, and, but they have all kinds of self-driving iRobot cars. iRobot was all about Audi. Remember, yes. every car was an Audi. Yes, but he. I think he gets a bike. He gets yeah. like an MV Agusta that's that gasoline be. powered. Oh, but they yeah. did have the everything was self driving. Blah blah. And he blah. wears like the Converse, and he's like, "Oh, you're such a rebel, like yeah, nostalgic got, guy." Yeah, he's got the leather. I've got those shoes, by I'm the way. Sure the leather, the leather Chuck Taylors with the full color Converse star on the side. They're pretty sweet. I've got them. They're up in <laughs> with the other fifty or sixty <laughs> pairs of Converse shoes. Oh man! So I don't get it. This episode is all about. Movie nostalgia now, apparently. No, it's not. That was but in no, for movies. What other flying car movies are there? There's got to be a bunch. Back to the Future, of course. What, yep. Oh, I just thought of one. What was it? Oh, Looper. Remember Looper? Looper, yeah. They had the flying That stuff. is a great movie, too. That is a very good movie. Very good movie. Basically, any sci-fi movie set sometime in the future, you're going to see a flying car. But that's how you know it's the future. Right. Because the cars and are flying. And we haven't arrived at the future yet, Chris. Are you sure? Because I saw a car. Are we going to talk about this? kind of want to ruin it. But there's a car that has been... Uh, a flying car recently that has been approved to be a flying car. There has always been the next car that's going to come out that's going to be the flying car. I don't... This, okay, can we just take and think about the logistics of a no, flying car no, for a No, we're going to get there at the end. First, okay. let's be really excited okay. about okay. it. Okay, okay. I, I am excited. I'm, I am excited. I'm excited. Right. So the dream of flying cars is hardly limited to movies, as we talked about. There are nearly 80 patents on file for various kinds of flying cars. There was even one attempt as early as the 18th century to develop a gliding horse cart, which to no great surprise, failed terribly. What, do you, what would you have to do? Would you have to just like- Just massive wings massive on a wings. horse cart and then you push it down a hill. And you push it down or just- Or dr- your horse has a really long rein on it. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, first thing that came into my mind is you would just drive off a cliff, release right. the horses and then glide off oh, the cliff. Oh, that sucks for the horses. <laughs> <laughs> down to zero horsepower real quick. Yes. Uh, it really was in the last hundred years though that the concept of a flying car really captured our imagination. Throughout the 20th century, scientists, industrialists and the common man all had decided that it would only be a matter of time before we would have a flying car in every garage what you're about to see is an imaginative glimpse into the future a hollywood view of the year 1960 we'll see some rather startling things some of which may be commonplace by then (laughs) here we go to the city of the future it's 1960 remember have you ever been caught in a traffic jam and wished you had wings and could fly away from it all? Well, you're not the only one. Change a 60-mile-per-hour traffic-hampered buggy into a high flyer on the unlimited highways of the sky. 
So let's put traffic woes behind us and try that wild blue yonder. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> hold on a second. Can you imagine if everybody at the same time decided to go, I just push the fly mode button. <laughs> and then they all go up and crash. Just this little giant chaos of, of uh, little middle management yeah, flying exactly, around. And, no. Exactly. No. What I love about that clip, so that's from the 1940s, and it was a PSA from, I think, Paramount Pictures titled The Shining Future. And you heard what they said was in the year 1960. Yeah, 20 years. You'll be able to just fly just away. Just fly away. Well, that didn't happen. But even Henry Ford himself was quoted in 1940 as saying, Mark my words, a combination aeroplane and motor car is coming. You may smile, but it will come. So, hold on a second. What defines flying car? So we have to, because well, planes have wheels. Yes. You could technically take your little we Cessna gonna, and drive um, it. Let me continue because we're kind of going to toe that okay. line a okay. bit. Okay, because okay. I think that's an important distinction. It is, yeah. And so to be fair, Ford seemed to be the one man of his time that could have actually been able to do just that. Ford was sort of the Elon Musk of his time. He really deserves his own episode, but just know that over the course of his career, besides putting America on wheels with his mass-produced Model T, Ford dabbled in shipbuilding, home construction, rubber planting down in Brazil, radio broadcasting, solar roofs. farming. Nope, nope, no solar roofs. <laughs> but for a brief period in the 1920s and 30s, aviation as well. So he was kind of like the Renaissance man where he had his hand in everything industrial. So in 1925... Ford produced the all-metal tri-motor airplane, which was used to run scheduled passenger service from Detroit down to Chicago. All-metal, a big deal. Because most things right. were wood. Exactly. At that time. Yeah. Most of it was wood buck with yep. canvas skin on top yep. of it. Um, so he had this all metal tri motor. You've probably actually seen it. It's kind of like the classic looking metal passenger plane yep. that has two uh, radial engines on the wings and one radial right in front on the nose. Gotcha. That was the Ford. Okay. Uh, a year later, on his 63rd birthday, Henry unveiled an even more ambitious project the Ford Fliver. The what? The Fliver. Did, what? Did, Wait a second. I seem to remember an episode called Fliver, Fliver Boob. The Fliver Boob. The Fliver Boob. That's different that? than a Fliver. Okay. That was Don't Be a Fliver Boob and Turn Turtle. Yeah, what was episode, that about? Like I don't remember. Episode or something. That was about uh, early safety devices, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember what a Fliver Boob a is. A Fliver Boob we'll was like to... an idiot driver, I believe. Okay. So I don't know why he named his plane the Fliver. Maybe the Fliver is good, but the Fliver Boob is bad. Yeah, well, you don't want to be a boob ever. No, yeah. right, exactly. Great for touching, bad for being. <laughs> <laughs> so the Ford Fliver was a flying what car a for the... What name. I know, it probably made sense back in 1920. What's the etymology of Fliver? There's... Keep going. It's two Vs, by the way. Okay, it's two Vs. A cheap car or aircraft, especially one in bad condition. That's what the, <laughs> that's what okay, the internet so it says. Okay, does, so it does meet the criteria because this was supposed to be a flying car for the masses. Yeah, it was small, cheap to do automobile. For airplanes, what the Model T had done for cars, right? So he's like, I put America on wheels and I'm going to do it with a plane. So... While not a flying car per se, the idea was that every person would have their own personal plane. This looks like those little planes that you see. Uh, it's like a like a little race plane. plane. Yeah, you know, the, it's actually a really cool looking plane in my mind. It is fantastic. It looks like a small toy. Yes, it does. Um, so, I can't imagine the horrible idea of giving anyone a plane. <laughs> I will also get to that. <laughs> yes, agreed. So. 
like I said, not a flying car. It still was this idea that everyone's going to have their own plane and this is going to be the future. And while that may seem silly over 80 years later today, you have to realize what the world was like at that time, Chris. The time that and the headspace of what people were like. Well, think this of is going, the 20s, man. The yeah, roaring 20s. Well, not only that. Think of going from horse and buggy to having the motor car commonplace in the span of a decade or two. Plus electricity, the Industrial Revolution. So right. If you think... You know, you think society's moving fast now with uh, tech? It doesn't compare to the just beginning of the 20th century. The tech doesn't change the way, when you look out the window, it generally looks the same as it did 20 years ago. Right. If you were in 1900 and looked out your window, went in a coma, and woke up in 1925 and then looked out the window again, it would blow your mind. Right. There's these little buggies driving around, all this crazy shit There's going on. things flying in the air. And then what's even crazy- You would definitely think you're in the future. What's even more nuts to think about, and we talked about this before, is though the Wright brothers first had powered flight in 1903. We went to the moon in the 60s. Think of that. 60 some years. I think it's the last 100 years, 150 years if you want to call it, has been the biggest advancement in human right. history. And because you have to catch Think of the, how lucky we are to live of the internet in there, right? right. Cuz that changed everything again. Yep. But yeah, I would say from like 1890 when we started, you know, experimenting with cars to like 2000 was just nuts. Imagine the podcast people are going to do 100 years from now about our renaissance, our revolution True. now. Super interesting. So you what? have industrial revolution, and then you have the technological renaissance. You know, the two different things okay. that are well, kind of going on. What are we on. in right now? That's what we're in. We're in the technological renaissance of medical and uh, digital revolution right now. That's yeah. the, the two very big things. And basically us... And our grandparents, our great-grandparents, have experienced all of it. All of this human history right, and this because development. Because before that, it was like you had your horse. Thousands of years of nothing. <laughs> thousands of years of suffering. and It would be terrible Potatoes, eating nothing but potatoes. Just think, we finally invented a fryer. That's amazing. <laughs> potatoes are great now. Yes, they, they, sucked, they before. sucked before. <laughs> now potatoes Boiled are amazing. Potatoes. We have chips. We have chips and salsa, <laughs> chips and dip, fries, scallop potatoes. <laughs> potatoes became amazing before they were the food of the poor. That is the benchmark. Screw flying cars. <laughs> we're going to talk about potatoes All from right. here on out. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. What's your favorite kind of potato? Oh, I would say prop. Uh, you know what we've been buying lately are Pringles. When's the last time you had Pringles? The other day. Day, my kids love Pringles. I do not like Pringles. I hadn't had Pringles in probably 10 years. My favorite type of potato is a scalloped potato or a fried potato with steak. Actually, it depends time of day because a good hash brown in the morning, mm. that really does it Do you put too. ketchup on your hash browns? Yeah, I put it on the side and I kind of mix them. Mm, yeah, that with, sounds really good. With a lot of salt. <sighs> yeah, of course you do. <laughs> you just ruin it. All right, so with this sort of technological advancement in the 1920s, it only seemed logical that everyone would have their own aircraft soon enough, right? You go from horse and buggy, you know, electricity, to riding around in cars and electricity. Well, of course, in 10 years at this place, we're all going to be flying around. Yeah, why not? Makes but, sense. as is evident today, that didn't happen. The plane, the Ford Fliver, was itself a pretty good air aircraft, as we talked about. Could you imagine being like, hey, honey, go hop in the fliver and pick up some eggs? <laughs> <laughs> no, I cannot. So the fuselage of this thing was made of a steel alloy. It was a single seat. And the wings were, as well, we talked no about. that's no fun. I know. Single seat? I know. Maybe Mr. Ford was like, well, 
We'll try this. We don't want to have two people dead. We just, <laughs> we'll let people be personally I think responsible for their issue. own demise. He wanted to keep it as light as possible. Sure. The wings were comprised of a wood frame covered with canvas and fabric. So it was kind of that old school um, build of that type. The fuselage of the single seater was made of steel alloy, and the wings were comprised of a wood frame covered with fabric, like we talked about before. Um, so the, what, was aluminum something that just wasn't a thing? I don't know because it says steel alloy. So what I mean is it just like why wouldn't you use steel zinc? I mean, why? What is when did aluminum start happening? That's what I'm wondering right now. I will find out. You find that out. I'll tell you about the motor on this thing. The first version had a three-cylinder engine, which is basically like a cast iron block. Although chief engineer Harold Hicks, first of all, why are all of these guys' names sound awesome in these stories? Harold Hicks. Because he's like old a private names. detector. They're old or, names. Yeah. So anyways, Harold Hicks soon developed a completely new magnesium two-cylinder engine that was both more powerful and lighter. And I love how it's just a completely like blank slate from the ground up engine build. We got this engine in the new plane, the Fliver, and eh, we don't like it quite as much. So I'm going to just sit down at my drawing board and design a completely new engine out of magnesium. Magnesium also hard to find, so I just looked up. So aluminum was just expensive. Oh, it was it was used in some uh, some military planes from time to time. Okay, but generally it was just too expensive. And if you think of Henry Ford, he's trying to do this mass produce. It's, it's a fliver, dude. It's not it's, a. Fl- yep. a it's, I don't know what the opposite of sliver <laughs> is. Some other made-up automatopoeia word. They couldn't use aluminum. It wouldn't yeah. have made any sense. That, just, okay. like, just like if they made the Model T, sure, they could have made it all steel construction, but it just would have been too heavy and too, too, expensive. too expensive. Right. Steel was expensive then. Aluminum was. Well, both. Yeah, steel and aluminum. We're right. just talking about steel. Just think of everything that was happening in the Industrial Revolution with construction, too. Yeah. You know, they're also building the Empire State Building at this time. The, the amount of um, steel that was being, you've heard of the steel barons, right? Railroad <laughs> barons, steel barons. <laughs> yeah. Really expensive. So they just wanted to make it. They could have made it and sold it to Joey down the street if it was made out of steel or, in this case, aluminum. That makes sense. Um, by early in 1928, the designers were on their third version of the Fliver and Brooks, who So by- they were into it. They were into it. Third version. Third version. We're on to this. Yeah, this is going to be the next Model T, man. Uh, And Brooks, by then, was Ford's chief test pilot, was intent on proving the design. The young pilot wanted to break the distance record for light airplanes by making a nonstop flight from Detroit to Miami. In this thing? In this thing. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be the equivalent of taking a moped across the country on the freeway. Essentially. Yeah, Yeah. just all out. Uh, on his first attempt in January, an apparently nervous Henry Ford reportedly shouted after the river as it taxied away, don't mind the plane, we can build another, just watch yourself. <laughs> the warning later proved to be ominously relevant. Brooks was almost halfway to his destination when wing icing forced him down in North Carolina. Then, in late February, he was ready to try again, and this time made it as far as Titusville, Florida, Setting a new record. It's probably Titusville. It, I is, like it, to pronounce it Titusville. Okay. Well, you are wrong. But that's, that's fine. <laughs> Titusville, Florida. Yep. Any, any fans in Titusville, Florida? Feel free to email Jake at Jake. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Titusville just seems more exciting. Uh, <laughs> I would think so. First so, of all, at what point? Would, no, no, no. At first point, when this guy decided, oh, shit, I've got, DI, I've got ice, i got to land. Yeah. At that point, it should have been like, 
wow, we should not continue this project because this is not going to work. We cannot yeah. design a fliver for the regular guy. Right, that's no just the fliver. everyman. The everyman. The everyman cannot deal with an iced-up airplane. Right, but that didn't stop him. So they did it again in late February. That's where he tried it again, made it as fall as Titusville, setting a new record along the way for sustained flight of the small aircraft. And they this categorization of small aircraft had to be under 40 horsepower. So th- I got a, a press quote for you. Okay. The reaction from the press to Ford's flying car was ecstatic. If you think of the term flying car as inappropriate, the steerable back wheel was intended to allow pilots to drive from their garage to the nearest runway. Popular science said it was feasible for the average show to fly small enough to fit a garage with flaps designed for maximum lift for short takeoffs. A columnist for the New York Evening Sun waxed poetic looking to the future. I dreamed I was an angel and with the angel's sword, but I was simply touring the heavens in a Ford. Wow. People were excited about this. They were into this. Yeah. Um, After fixing that leaking gas line that he found in Titusville and replacing a broken propeller, he set off in the late afternoon of February 25th, what should have been a short hop down to Miami. However, Brooks never made it to Miami. The following day, seaplanes spotted the fliver partially submerged in water half a mile off the Florida coast coast near Melbourne, where bystanders reported having seen a small airplane matching its description plunge into the water around dusk. Brooks' body was never recovered, although several weeks later, a group of Boy Scouts found his wallet washed up on the shore. Oh, man. I'm glad the Boy Scouts didn't find his body. Guess the shark didn't want the money. (laughs) Yeah. Chief Engineer Harold Hicks recalled that, quote, after Brooks' death, late one night, Henry Ford came through the laboratory on his way home. I stopped him and said, Mr. Ford, do you want anything more done on the development of this two-cylinder engine? He said, well, what's it good for? I said, well, it's good for a flivver plane. He said, well, what are they good for? Herman Mokel, yeah, Ford Company accountant, recalled years later in an oral history interview that, quote, I always had the idea that Mr. Ford felt very badly about Brooks' death, and that was the thing that clinched his getting out of the airplane business. Mr. Ford didn't want to develop anything that could so readily be the cause of a loss of life. Henry Ford at first assured newspaper reporters that work on the fliver would be continued, and he kept his hand in aviation in the years that followed. The company did, of course, build B-24s during World War II, which went against his quote of not hurting anyone, but I understand his point of you don't want to get the everyman up in the fliver. Yeah, and it's also every time he would think about it, if they were friends or anything like that, he just went, "Uh." I don't think he ever thought that this wasn't coming. Right, I think he still probably presumed a plane and a car thing was coming. But right, he just but didn't. he just didn't want to have his yeah. part in it. Yeah. So Ford never again made a serious push into flying cars. Before we go on, though, let's take a moment to talk about Petrolbox. Petrolbox is a monthly service made specifically for the automotive enthusiast. Each month, they carefully select items including tools, detailing supplies, apparel, garage gear, stickers, publications to be sent right there to your doorstep. It's a curated selection of the latest and greatest gear in the industry. There are actually two different levels of subscription to choose from. The Petrolbox Basic costs less than 20 bucks a month, while the Petrolbox Premium gets you even more gear for $39.95 a month. Check them out at mypetrolbox.com and be sure to use the code OVERCREST at checkout to get $6 off your first month. 
So Ford was far from the last person to dream of producing a flying car. Yeah, every child from the ages four to six was you ever you just open the doors on the Hot Wheels <laughs> if, if if they if that would so exist and, oh, that, and meant, that is your wing that meant the car could fly if the doors hundred percent. So enter John W. Pitts. Mr. Pitts was an inventor from Detroit, and surprisingly, that's basically all I could find out about the guy. <laughs> There appears to be only one invention that he is associated with. He didn't check with. his LinkedIn profile? Uh, he didn't have one in 1924. <laughs> in 1924, Pitts filed the following U.S. patent application. Quote, a propeller which will cause an immediate vertical lift of any aerial car to which the propeller is attached, consisting of a mushroom-shaped rotor of 60 blades, each tinged oh at the root. What's tinged at the root mean? Like it's hinged at... Oh, hinged. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Uh, an engine would rotate and reciprocate the propeller, causing the blades to close on the downstroke and open on the upstroke, which was, it hoped, would induce lift. The so patent is this, was so, granted... So this is the first helicopter blade. Well... If it tilts, it, right? Changes, is he talking about changing the pitch of the rotator yes. blade? That's unique. I mean, that's... It, it is, but it, it's not as good as you think it is. Oh, Okay. Let me describe what this actually is. It's not what you think of as a helicopter. Okay, because I'm imagining many, many propeller blades, all with the ability to change pitch. Think more like umbrella. A, oh, okay. <laughs> so regardless, the patent was granted in October of 1926, and it seems immediately... You, hold on a second. <laughs> Can you imagine being the guy at the patent office? Some of the stupid stuff oh, you must see. Oh, just the worst. Just like... <laughs> To this day, oh, being must the be patent insane. guy is it, just like, really? You're going to do what now? You're going to have an umbrella that's going to be a flying car? <laughs> <laughs> Approved, because I just want to see it happen. Send and it did. <laughs> Pitt immediately put his concept into practice, constructing a 2,700-pound prototype vehicle with a 90-horsepower motor. He dubbed the vehicle the Sky Car. That was very optimistic, by the way. I need to describe... And not just, very creative at all. <laughs> None of these are, you'll find. <laughs> all right, so here, I'm going to describe well, just be fair, how silly this thing they're is. They're all engineers, so I'm, I'm sure they're not creative um, with the... This guy was an inventor. Okay. We are, we're not going to call him an engineer. Okay. So, imagine a cart with four wheels, which are not powered, mounted on the car, is a single seat with a massively heavy engine. The engine is connected to a vertical shaft with a massive umbrella-looking structure mounted at the top. The engine would both rotate the shaft and violently jerk it up and down. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> the resulting effect was to move this 20-foot finned umbrella up and down, somehow attempting so to get off the ground. So it doesn't rotate. It does, but the main thing is just to go like up and down really fast <laughs> with your umbrella. I'm just imagining a plunger on a toilet, basically. Right. Yeah, ding, 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 ding. that is, that is what it did. Yeah, um, I think I've reality, seen a video of this thing. You have, and I actually have the audio from that clip because Mr. Pitt's Sky Car was such a public failure that a 1928 newsreel was released just to make fun of it. This is a helicopter invented by this ingenious gentleman. The idea being to make the machine rise straight upward. The idea is okay, but it doesn't seem to work. Perhaps a little yeast would help it rise. The only thing to go up so far is his temper. Anyway, he's getting some good exercise out of it. Oh, well, maybe it will rise with the next market. 
rise with the next market? Yeah. Oh. So that was basically like the 1920s version of someone trolling you on YouTube. Right. Like just making a video, making fun of what you did. So that would have been, that clip would have played in front of a movie or something, right? Oh, you're right? probably right. Yeah. yeah so they yeah. have like little clips. and it's be just like, a, look at this idiot. Look, look at what he's doing. So this thing literally just jerks up and down. It yeah. doesn't do anything. Well, the, pl- the plan was think of an umbrella and the like blades or panels yep. of the umbrella were hinged one way right yep. so you go up and it's supposed to like release the panel yep and so let there's the air so through, there's no drag right no drag and then you pull down and all the panels are pushed against the air so it's like trying to yeah the re- the revolutions per minute or i guess <laughs> i guess the uh the strokes per minute, since it's not actually rotating, right. would have to be astronomical Ridiculous. for the story. And you probably shouldn't have it on a nearly 3,000-pound cart. Right. Yeah. Bad idea. Bad idea. So, yeah, by the end of the 20s, we still didn't have a flying car. But to put that into perspective, that's still less than three decades after the Wright brothers' first powered flight. So let's cut them some slack here, okay? No, that was a stupid idea. (laughs) (laughs) That one was a stupid idea. Uh, The 1930s ushered in the era of the Great Depression. So flying cars weren't at the forefront of necessity. Instead, people were focused on simply putting food on the table. But that didn't stop one Waldo Waterman. Waldo was an inventor and aviation pioneer from San Diego, California. He actually built his first aircraft, a biplane hang glider, in 1909 while he was still in high school. From there, he went on to study mechanical engineering at the University of California and became chief engineer at the U.S. Aircraft Corporation during World War I. Now, Waldo's big innovation and claim to fame was the concept of a tailless swept-wing aircraft. So when you think of a standard airplane, like like a B two bomber, exactly delta wing, it's the pre- it's the predecessor to the flying wing, yes. right? So a standard airplane, be it a small Cessna or an airliner, you picture a long main wing along with tail sections on the rear, which incorporate the vertical tail fin yep. to control yaw, and then the horizontal stabilizers, which are basically they resemble the small wings at the rear. A tailless swept-wing aircraft, on the other hand, has no tail assembly and no other horizontal surfaces besides its main wing. The aerodynamic control and stabilization functions in both pitch and roll are all incorporated into the main wing itself. So you can sweep the wing back. Yep. So which means you don't need as big of a wing span. Correct. And you can have the same surface area of the wing. So you have a smaller... It's less drag. And so the... The downfall of this design is there's less control surfaces, right? right? So it's not as maneuverable or controllable. Sounds great for the everyman. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's do that. Uh, yeah, this was the concept that was the precursor to the modern day flying wing or delta wing designs like the B-2 bomber that you mentioned. So the first of Waldo's designs to use this concept was the 1929 What's It? Oh. <laughs> it's... That's what they should have called the other thing. I know. <laughs> so you'll notice through this story that everyone had to have a catchy name for their creations and they were all ridiculous, but I still wish we did that today. I want to I want to see the new latest car called the What's It. Yeah, that's not going to fly. Yeah. So the What's It also used the then unusual tricycle landing gear. It had a truncated fuselage and a forward trim plane. One unique attribute of the What's It was its tailless swept wing design and that the fuselage was basically a self-contained vehicle with single wing bolted to the roof. One could say it almost looked like a car with a wing, mm. which I'm sure is what gave Waldo the inspirations for his next design, the Aerobeel. 
Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Here's Dorothy Cochran, curator at the National Air and Space Museum. In 1934, there was a competition from the Bureau of Aeronautics to design a very simple, safe to fly, non-stalling and spinning aircraft. Coming out of the garage, it's an automobile on its way to a hangar to become an airplane. A flying coupe, no coupe? tail, yeah. and rudders on the swept back wings. So the a coupe? Beam, the coupe. <laughs> that makes it sound a little bit more luxury if you just make it sound well, French. It's just, it's a two-door. It's a coupe. Yeah. yeah. So the Aerobeel was an evolution of the What's-It, consisting of a high-wing monoplane with detachable wings and was powered by a Studebaker engine. It was, by definition, a true flying car. You would drive the fuselage, sands the wing, to your local neighborhood airfield. This itself was a rather noisy and dangerous affair, however, seeing as how the three wheels were not powered. Instead, the rear-mounted rotor that was used for flight would also be used for ground propulsion. What could go wrong? Yeah, I can only imagine what a rear-end collision would be like with that thing. (laughs) Just what would be left of the car that hit you? Nothing. Yeah, well, I it, would probably just destroy. Yeah, the, I mean, not good. Not good. What if you're just good. like? Can you imagine the people that cross the street while they're looking at their phone? Oh yeah, just walking right into the. I propeller? was thinking too, like you know, you're backing out of your driveway and Jimmy's down there playing out of sight. Not good. Granted, you probably can't go reverse. Well, it's, you'd have a, a you'd have a you'd have a, a camera, backup camera. Oh, clearly. That's, yes, that's, that's, that's why we're that. I'm looking at a article that says flying auto here. Now watch for sky traffic jams. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take the old car and go flying for an hour. <laughs> so once you woke up the entire neighborhood driving to the airfield, the wing assembly would be affixed to the roof of the vehicle. And talk about you a, went. Talk about a country with little to no regulation or laws. Oh, or yes. Just, just see this thing just driving down the road. There's <laughs> no, no laws on the books. <laughs> like there wasn't a shroud around the propeller either. No, there's. I'm looking at it right it's, now. It's it just is. a big... It looks like... Uh, what are those things that take you up to the mountain? Oh, you're thinking cars? of like a gondola. A go- it looks like a gondola with a wing on top with a propeller on the back. Correct. Yeah, so imagine without the wing and that's supposed to be the car. Right. Yeah, so a you gondola know, with a propeller. What they should have done is made the wings detachable. They did. Oh, so you could take the wings off and drive it around. So here's what you do. You wake up the entire neighborhood <laughs> driving to the airfield in your gondola. Yeah. Okay. The wing assembly is waiting for you at the airport. Uh-huh. And you affix it to the roof of the vehicle. Very, I'm sure it's very easy to affix, too. You can do it by yourself. Well, the plan was that, yeah. So the idea was that there would be a whole line of these wing units lined up at airports across the country for everyone to use. Just imagine your, your wife. Hey, Judy, grab the other side of this wing. Yeah. She's in her little dress, like... <laughs> With her little pointy boob bra thing oh, going yeah. on, and, just trying to the, like the like high heels, pointy toes. Oh, uh, no chance! So you'd all drive your contraption there on Monday morning, hook it up to one of the wings, and off you'd go to work. Nope. In total, though, only five aerobiles were built. That's terrible. If it's hard to say, it's not a good name. <laughs> yeah, uh, three aerobiles attempted a flight from Santa Monica to Cleveland, but one it sounds had like a medical problem. Back. Aerobile? Yeah, I've diagnosed with aerobile. Ooh, I just, I, I got to stay gassy. home. Yeah. <laughs> you know aerobile is gassy. Yeah, you don't want any Or that. it's a medication. See yes. your doctor for aerobile. May I have side effects such as propeller <laughs> distension. <laughs> um, yeah, so they had three of them. They attempted a flight to Santa Monica. One had to turn back after only reaching Arizona. And one of these aerobiles is actually on display at the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum in Virginia. Which, by the way, if you're 
thinking about going to... So this is the one in Virginia, not in D.C. Yes, but this is the one that has the SR-71. Oh, really? At this, yes. Oh, okay. This is, this is the good one. It's the secret air and space museum. Okay. It's not the one in D.C. Yeah. It's not the one in D.C. It's right. the one in Virginia. Very good. They have a space shuttle there, too. Fantastic museum. Nobody there when I was there. Huh. Kick ass. Awesome. So great. Did, so, not, did not see this thing. Was probably too enamored with... I think they have it hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, it's like some little up. side thing. Yep. Yeah, okay. Um, a variety of circumstances prevented the aerobile from really taking off. You see what I did there? Yes, yeah, I understand. So what were the circumstances so, besides all the obvious ones? <laughs> the concept itself could be called a success, as they did fly. By the way, this thing was 1000 bucks. was what it was supposed to cost. Right. It was $1,000. That's what they want. Waterman estimates it will cost about $1,000, which is yep. $16,000 in today's money. Dirt cheap. Cheap. There's you can't even buy a car for no, you for can't. that much money. But you have to understand there's no airbags, there's no iPad, right. there's no Apple yeah, CarPlay cost of production. Yeah, there's just none so of those things in there. No the, heated seats, no oh, lumbar support. What are we do? No crumple zones, no shroud around the killer propeller. <laughs> you know, all these things add up. They cost money. That is true. Uh, Americans were still reeling from the affirmation Great Depression, and war looming in Europe meant there really wasn't much demand. Not to mention, as we talked about, the practical concerns of these things actually driving around the streets everywhere. The next attempt at a flying car didn't come until about 1947. America was seeing an aviation boom then, thanks to a new generation of pilots coming back from World War II. Consolidated Volte Aircraft, later renamed Convair, was seeking to develop design to enter this flourishing market. The company's chief design engineer, Theodore P. Ted Hall, had been interested in the concept of a flying car before World War II, with Consolidated actually proposing the idea to the military for use in commando-type raids. But, not surprisingly, the Army decided to stick with more traditional designs, and that idea was shelved. Following the end of the war, however, Ted Hall was free to pursue his dream. Is the he an engineer or is, is he an engineer? Which one? He is an engineer. Okay. Yes, he is an engineer. It, there is a huge distinction between inventor and engineer. Oh, big time. Inventors are insane. Yes. Engineers oh, yes. Are, are usually pretty down Correct. So, the, As evidenced by the way that this thing looks. This looks a little bit more reasonable, I guess I should say. <laughs> the Convair Model 116 flying car consisted of a two-seat car body powered by a rear-mounted- A coupe. 26-horsepower engine. Similar to the previously mentioned Aerobile, the Convair flying car made use of a detachable wing assembly. However, the assembly featured its own integrated 90-horsepower Franklin 4A4 engine, driving a two-blade wooden propeller in tractor configuration. Okay, so this thing looks like a Cessna without a cab. Correct. Like a single single engine. When you think of a, a, a propeller Cessna that yep, is what this looks like. It's a front-mounted puller setup. That's what tractor configuration means. Okay. And it's got the full tail. It's all integrated. So the motor's in the wing unit. It is a, and then it is a plane without a cockpit. a car period. to the bottom. Yep. It is, it's, this seems reasonable. Yeah. So the real appeal of the Convair design Question, was the fact- how, are the, how do the controls work? It, it worked with the steering wheel. No there kidding. There's no external controls. All right. So this is it hydraulic? I bet it's, it's got to be cable. No, it's got to be cable. It's, it's got to be cable. So this thing has to somehow hook up two cables. Right. I'm wondering what that hookup section, that's got to be fairly complicated. Yeah, this one was not, later, there's one where it's like, it only takes 15 minutes. This was not the 15 minute okay. one. This was not the 15 minute one. Um, the real appeal of this design, however, was the fact that the fuselage did actually resemble a car. Without the wing assembly, the vehicle could be mistaken for any other contemporary car in traffic. It even operated and drove like a standard car, albeit slowly. 
with the wheels being driven by a paltry 25-horsepower engine. The vehicle first flew on July 12, 1946, and went on to complete 66 different test flights. On November 18, 1947, while on a one-hour demonstration flight, it made a low-fuel forced landing near San Diego, destroying the car and damaging the wing assembly. The pilot, who escaped with minor injuries... The car is really cute. It is. It's a good-looking little car. It is. It, it looks kind of like a... It's like a really square back. back. Yeah. Like a, like a Volkswagen squareback No, notch, uh, notch... Notch back. Yes. Yeah, but... Fast, but fastback? I don't remember which one's which. The notchback is like the three three box thing. Yep. And oh, yeah, the right. square back is the wagon. Is the wagon. So it looks like a square back, but the, the back is very... Well, they made tail. one of those, and I think it's called just the fastback. Type three fastback? I don't know, but it's this thing looks like the yeah, boat be, looks like the front end, but it's got a boat tail in the rear and very tiny little wheels. Yep, they're itty bitty. It looks like a little like a little cartoon. It's it very, very cute. The proportions are yeah. It's, it's not very a cute. bad looking just like, car. Just like you, Jake. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you're. Cute. I'm a cute little. You're a little. You got little wheels. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I don't even know what to say to that. I don't know. Keep, I have no witty retort. No. All right. So going. the pilot crashed because of a low fuel warning. Right. And although the fuel gauge he had visually checked during pre-flight check indicated the tank was full, it was the car's separate fuel tank, not the aircraft. Oh, so he got fuel the gauge. he just got him mixed up. Yeah, he's like, oh, we got plenty of fuel. No, he didn't. why wouldn't you be if you were going to do this? Yeah, why I wouldn't you use again, the car gas I, tank as a as a? Well, I guess you're using no because a separate motor up top. Like, I know, just but why could all you, integrated? Yeah, why not have it run off like have it a car tank be a reserve tank? That would have been a cool feature. Maybe they're running on some sort of jet they are, fuel they're or They're running on AV gas. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, that's different. Um, nonetheless, the car garnished high praise, even being featured on the cover of Popular Mechanics magazine. By the way, when I was growing up, I thought Popular Mechanics was like a legit source for anything. It used to be. Oh, it did it? It used to because be up until time about 2000. Okay. I have about 20... Yeah, almost 20 years worth of popular mechanics in my basement. It was always I subscribed weird, for a long time. weird stuff, though. Well, it was always kind of like on the fringe of... They did a lot of um, like futuristic... I think it was once a year they had a futuristic uh, issue okay. where it was just like looking forward and weird stuff. But a lot of times, no, it was like... Yeah, I remember looking at it a lot when I was a kid, and there was always some wacky stuff in there. there. There's some wacky stuff, but yeah. it used to be in the 50s, it was like DIY. Like, it was just a DIY manual. Sure. Like, tell you stuff. So it was a legit source at one point. Um, a lofty production target of 160,000 units was planned of this thing, with a projected price tag of $1,500 each. Convair anticipated... So a little bit more expensive, twenty grand or so. Yeah, yeah. but 160,000 units they thought they were going to sell. No chance. Where are these marketing people no, getting these numbers from? They did their research, Chris. 160,000? There's no way. Yep, put it on the board. This seems like a money racket to me. <laughs> like, we're going to make this thing that's just a thing no, bolted here, to a here's thing. here's the deal. Convair anticipated that the Model 118 would be purchased in large numbers by airports to be rented out, Right. So even if people aren't buying this for their own garage, you'll just go to the airport and rent it from the fleet. 160000 perfect. Makes sense. Fly down Easy. to Miami, land there, and then drive the car around yeah. to your little oh, it's perfect. collapsing building. Yeah. Who needs Hertz Rent-A-Car or Uber? You got this. However, those productions were soon rendered completely false as enthusiasm <laughs> for the project waned and Convair canceled the program entirely. There were numerous Wonder other... Wonder where that investor money went. <laughs> Down to Florida. Mm -hmm. 
Um, there were then numerous other like flash-in-the-pan designs from inventors that followed the same concept of a fuselage car with removable wings. But the idea of a flying car didn't really progress any further until the 1950s. That's when Moulton Molt Taylor debuted... Oh, is that his nickname? Molt, yeah. Molten Molt? Molten Molt Taylor All right, not debuted a very clever. his aero car. Again, these names are all just variations on the same thing. So aero car is what we're talking about now, if you want to look this up. Okay. Molt was a Washington native, born in 1912. Like many of our inventors, he had an early start, becoming a pilot while still in high school and going on to study engineering at University of Washington. So he is an engineer. Okay. After graduating from college, he joined the U.S. Navy and, during World War II, served as a naval engineering officer on pilotless and guided missile programs. Okay. World War II. So this guy's actually got a brain. Yes. At the war's conclusion, Molt began to dream of a flying automobile, which he set to work on designing himself. His concept, the aero car, was a roadable airplane certified for use as both a plane and an automobile. And quote, it sprouted wings, so I flew it. What? That's what it says on Popular Mechanics, right? Here it is, right on the cover. <laughs> it sprouted wings, so I flew it. Like, it just kind of happened organically. You realize Popular Mechanics basically put every single new flying car invention on their cover. Because well, that was the previous one. Because that was the future. Because it was the right. future. Popular That's Mechanics true. wanted to put the future on yeah, the cover. Yeah, so that was the 1946 version of Popular Mechanics, and now we're talking about a different car in 1950-something. Okay, hold on. Let's, let's, I'm going to look at this as the cover of Popular Mechanics that has this car on it that right. you're talking about. Yep. Um, 23 pages of, here's the other things. That are on the cover, just so you... Okay, and just, what year is this? This, this is be... 1971. Well, that's not the right one. That's not the right car? No. He he made a third version in the 70s. Like, this is like the little red bubbly looking one. Are you <laughs> talking about the one that looks more like a Fiat? Like a... Yeah, it's less good looking, but it is the Aero car. A-E-R-O car. Got it. So just anyway, so just in terms of popular mechanics, these are other things that would have been so, on. So, okay. So people understand popular mechanics. Um, 23 pages of how to get more fun out of summer at home for very little money. Three ways to make your garage an outdoor family room. Diving deck for above ground pools. How to wire your patio for music. A fold flat buffet table that can handle a crowd. Wait, is this like current, like today's no, issue? No, this is from the 70s. Oh, that sounds cool. A fold flat buffet table that can handle a crowd. How big of a crowd? Like, yeah. how do they define crowd? Rollaway wall makes your driveway a patio. Oh. <laughs> yeah, mobile appliance center, and, of course, tennis and volleyball. Okay. So this is just basically for middle-aged dudes to it's make like, their house kind of cool for entertaining people. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a car. lot of DIY stuff. Yeah. Um. Let's All right, see. so I'm looking at the, ori the original flying car. The original about. aero car? Yeah, it's got like the tri, the, the tail is like a tri-wing tail. Yeah. And yep. it, it looks like it could also go in water, honestly. It yes, does. it does. It does. It yeah. kind of looks like a little Fiat with a round front end on it. Yeah, that was a different yeah. inventor. Remember the German guy? Yes, I do. That, that was a great episode. <laughs> if you haven't listened to that one. one, that one's a good one. Uh, let's see. The prototype aero car was completed in 1949, but it took until December 19... 56 for the Civil Aeronautics Administration to certify the design. So we actually got it certified. What made the aero car so unique, though, was the fact that it was a self-contained unit. Similar to previous iterations of a flying car, the fuselage was a drivable road-going vehicle. But instead of having a separate wing structure, the aero car's wings folded behind the car body and was towed behind the vehicle at all times. How would, the, how would that weight work out? It's got little casters on the end of the wings that fold back. 
So when they're folded back, yep. they just kind of lay on the road with casters. That's dumb. It's like a trailer, basically. Yeah, it's always attached. To the I car. don't. I don't see the little wheels. When it I'm might be at. a different version than what you're looking at. <sighs> Maybe to get ready for flight, the driver slash pilot first connects a drive shaft hidden under the rear license plate and swings the wings forward into position where they are pinned into place. The process comp- could be completed in less than fifteen minutes and was said to be easier than changing a tire. Sure. I mean, if it only takes 15 minutes for you to change a tire, I can do a tire a lot faster than that. I can, too. It featured a small two-passenger cabin with wheels housed in external airplane-like spats. A horizontally opposed four-cylinder Lycoming engine was mounted in the rear of the cabin, producing 143 horsepower, driving the front wheels, interestingly enough, through a three-speed manual transmission. Finally. You know, you've got something that's reasonable to drive around. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The engine connected to a pusher prop via that rear license plate shaft. Yeah. Love this. Something music. good's going to happen. Have you ever been caught in a traffic jam and wished you had wings and could fly away from it all? Yes. Well, you're not the only one, but Molten Taylor of Longview, Washington did something about it. What did he do? He designed and built the Aero Car. Ah. At San Francisco's International Airport, Taylor shows how quickly you can convert car into plane. Change a 60-mile-per-hour traffic-hampered buggy into a high flyer on the unlimited highways of the sky. <laughs> the conversion takes but a few minutes. No more trouble than changing a tire and oh, a lot more was. fun. More fun. Oh, yeah, clearly. Wings assembled, the pusher prop in the tail raring to go, <laughs> likewise the pilot at the controls. So let's put traffic woes behind us and try that wild blue yonder. The aero car is at home on highways or skyways. First of all, <laughs> these people. Issue one. Issue one. These people have no idea what traffic, how bad it was really going to get. I know. Think about it. This is the yeah, 40s. Yeah, what kind of traffic did they what have talking the 40s? about? It's like four people going to work. <laughs> Back then, the 40s and 50s, yeah. only half of the household was working. Now, good point. The entire household is working, Double and there's the cars. millions of more people. These guys right. had no idea how bad no. it was going to get. <laughs> no also, idea. I love how the concept is: okay, you're stuck in traffic, so you're going to start flying. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. No, you have to like go to an airport, fold out the wings, taxi around, and then fly. Yeah, it's. it's I maybe in a like maybe in the country, if for whatever reason you're in a traffic jam, you could. Go this off almost a, a seems, farmer's field and take off. This almost seems kind of like what we're doing now with autonomous cars and stuff like that. Like none of this works right now. <laughs> none of it works. But, but there's, we love the idea, and everybody's still taking everybody's money because they like the idea of this. Everybody yeah. liked the idea of this. Yeah, oh, I want to yeah. be able to do that. Yeah, even though it doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. In all, the Aero car had a top road speed of 67 miles per hour and a top airspeed of 110. The Aero car is regarded as the closest thing we had to a commercially viable flying car. This thing was featured a lot in the media. It was prominently featured as the personal vehicle of actor Bob Cummings in his self-titled CBS television show in the 60s, which I've never heard of, and was also used by Portland, Oregon radio station KISN for real-time traffic reporting. They actually use this thing for traffic reporting, I wonder how which is ironic because the whole point of this thing was to avoid traffic. And they're like, hey, plebeians down on the road, look at me in my flying car. <laughs> it's good marketing. It is actually quite good marketing. So how many of these things did they sell? 
Well, Taylor was able to secure funding from investors, leading to CAA certification for the Aero Car in 1956. But while Taylor sold prototypes for 15 grand, he was unable to secure a deal for volume production. In the end, only five were ever constructed, four of which still exist, with at least one still flyable. Really? Yeah, you could see one of these going around somewhere. I bet at the Oshkosh Flying. Oh, that'd be cool. There. Have you been there? I have years the ago. Oshkosh, I could even we go. We should go. Yes. Yeah, we should we go, should go check out the Oshkosh Flying. It's the it biggest awesome. plane show. Yeah. Remember the racing? That was what was the coolest thing. Is what the, I remember distinctly, because I was a kid, mm-hmm. was the teeny, teeny midget planes. Yes, the tiny ones that are super fast. They're super fast, and the, it's like basically just a guy and an engine, and that's it. I remember it being called like the, the Bumblebee or yes. the Superbee or that's, something like it's that. In, um, it's in the movie The Rocketeer. That okay. one. That plane. But that one was at yeah. Oshkosh Flying. It's basically a giant engine with tiny wings. Yeah. Death trap. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Yep. So before we go no further, though, let's talk about Oberk Car Care. Have you ever wanted to polish or detail your vehicle but didn't know where to start? This is basically me. Oberk was researched, developed, and tested by car care experts to bridge the gap between enthusiasts and professional-grade products and remove the guesswork from polishing or detailing your very own vehicle. These guys are passionate with a long history developing products so they know firsthand what makes a good product. Right now, they're offering a whopping 20% off your order at oberkcarcare.com when you use the code OVERCREST. Again, check them out over at oberkcarcare.com, coupon code OVERCREST. Fast forward to 1973. Okay, so we've lost 20 years where nothing happened? Eh, there was just like one-off things, but nothing all that exciting. And in 1973, they released what is going to be your favorite, most ridiculous version of the flying car. Okay, I'm excited. What's it called? Henry Smolinski. I'm not going to tell you yet because you got to wait for the reveal. Okay. Henry Smolinski and Harold Blake were graduates of the Northrop Institute of Technology's Aeronautical Engineering School. So, two good engineers, not inventors. Okay. They shared a mutual dream of finally perfecting a commercial flying car and together formed the Advanced Vehicle Engineer Company in California. They named their design the Mizar after the celestial body. Apparently, there's a star up there called Mizar. It's a terrible name. It is, yeah. So, here's, here's, what, I th- <clears throat> here's what I think that the flying car should be. Okay. The flying car should be something... Not for the every man. Yeah. The flying car needs to be for people that, that, can, that can already that isn't afford the dream, a, though. That isn't the dream. It doesn't matter. Because you, you know what that's called? Owning a plane isn't a, isn't the dream either. Rich people buy planes. Okay? The, nobody you know knows. what a flying car is? And I'm going to get to this later. It's a helicopter. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that is a flying car. <laughs> this, yes. Yes. That's what... Super. That's not what is the dream, though. That's right? not the, the dream future. historically has always been you're driving. But, okay, and that's fine. Leave the dream for the people that can afford the dream. You know, it should be if you can have an airplane hangar uh-huh. where you could drive your car to the airplane hangar. Then you it, don't need a flying car. Listen to me. <laughs> listen. You should drive your car to your airplane hangar, park your car, get in your flying car, uh-huh. which is your airplane. Which is your airplane. Right. Here's the. Jake? Yeah. I have the ideal solution. You figured it out? Just rent a car when you get there. Yeah. That should be it because nobody's like avoiding traffic. Nobody has an airfield unless you have a vertical takeoff and landing plane. Right. Nobody, there's, it's just not Which possible. Is- 
a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, no. <laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't have a Harrier, right? You understand? Yeah. I mean, we have... It's just none of this makes any sense. I know, I know. This is all ridiculous. But wait, this, this is one, all stupid. This one, this one's gonna make sense. This one, this oh, one, this you're one. You're lying to no, me. No, I'm not. Okay. Okay. So they shared this dream. They're gonna make it happen. It's called the Mazar, and its design was simple. For ease of manufacture. Nothing about any of this no, no, is no. simple. They got it figured out. Listen, for ease of manufacture and reliability on both the road and in the air, they would combine the components of an already proven plane, the Cessna Skymaster, with a... Don't look it up. I'm not. With a mass-produced vehicle, right? That's where everyone else went wrong. They're trying to redesign everything. Right. They're just going to take parts of the plane and parts of a car and put it together, right? It's proven. It says right here they called up Elizabeth Carmichael. In 1974, nope. the the uh, the 20th Century Motor Car Corporation, because nope. also she had a nope. really great idea. Nope, even better. In choosing a car to base a flying vehicle on, you'd want the most well-engineered, quality, and above all, safest vehicle on the road, right? It just makes sense. You need something It sounds like safe. the Dale car. So they did the exact opposite and chose none other <laughs> than the Ford Pinto. <laughs> ah, nice. <laughs> That's right. The car notorious for exploding at the slightest rear impact was chosen to make what was virtually a flying bomb. <laughs> By mid Only if you crash butt first. No, if you crash anyway, it blows up. Yeah, probably. By mid-1973, two prototypes had been built and three more were under construction. On paper, the vehicle possessed impressive stats. The Mazar was intended to use both the aircraft engine and the car engine for takeoff. Right? So you're going to accelerate in the car and use the prop so it actually gets off the ground quite quickly. Sure. It would shorten the takeoff roll, and once in the air, the car engine would then be shut off. Upon landing, four-wheel braking and large tire contact patches compared to a traditional airplane made stopping distance really quick, 525 feet. On the ground, telescoping wing supports would be extended, and the airframe would be tied down like any other aircraft. The Pinto could then be quickly unbolted from the airframe and simply driven away. Production was scheduled to begin in 1974 with prices starting at just over 18 grand. Can I look this thing up yet? You can right. now. How do you spell Mizar? M-I-Z-A-R. Mizar, okay. The Mizar. All I get is like stars and constellations. <laughs> Hold on, let me look up oh, the Mizar car. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, it's literally a Pinto with a wing. It is. Well, I mean, that's the if you're going to do this, that's the right. ideal so thing. So that's what they did differently. They took an already set up car, an already set up plane, combined them. Did they have to make... I wonder if they made changes to the suspension because it looks a little higher. Like if they have different spring rates and stuff like that. Are you seeing it flying or on the ground? On the ground. Oh. On the ground. It's got a little bit of a higher... Flying Ford finds fateful fiery finish. <laughs> what a great... <laughs> Yeah, and it did. <laughs> what a great it title did. for an article. <laughs> and of all dates, on September 11th, 1973, company founder and vice president Harold Blake suffered a failure during a test flight. The right wing strut detached from the Pinto shortly after takeoff. The wing subsequently folded under the stress of the airframe, and the Pinto plummeted to the ground, exploding on impact. He didn't make it. Both the founder and the passenger were killed. In addition to poor aircraft design and loose parts, the National Transportation Safety Board reported that bad welds were partly mm. responsible for the crash with the right wing strut attached failing at a body panel of the Pinto. It was the Pinto's shoddy construction that failed. 
Not the airframe. Oh, so that where the strut attached to the car. That, yeah, the car oh. welds broke off. Further plans for developing. This is what I'm saying. You can't do this in an economy. <laughs> you can't. It, you, can, you have to make it luxury. Why, it has to be done why well. Why choose a Pinto? Because it's, well, it's a cheap car. You got to. We I, are, you are looking at the Pinto in the rearview mirror. I know. Of history. Well, in at 73, the time, they knew they were blowing up. Yeah, but it wasn't really true. I mean, it was true for the, in the sense that I've been through this ad nauseum. I know you have. Lots of other cars blew up more. Right. Okay, they blew up. All the cars were blowing up. Everybody was like... <laughs> That's it, not true. Well, all the manufacturers had cars that would blow up, right? The Volkswagen also would blow up and catch on fire. Uh-huh. Uh, the Datsun 510 also could catch on fire. Yeah. But guess what? Ford just got caught. Yeah. With their underwriting department. Well, yes, it's because they had all the documentation of them basically they could saying, prove we it. knew and we didn't do anything Guess about what? it. Guess what? Everybody knows. Even today, yeah. there are underwriters at I these know. companies that say, otherwise, every car you drive would have a thousand airbags, cost a million dollars, and nobody would buy anything because they'd be the safest car ever. There it's has risk to be assessment. It's risk assessment. It's yeah. underwriting. It's just the way that it is. So back then, these guys probably started looking at designing this when the Ford Pinto first came out. They yeah. said, okay, this is the platform for us. And by the because time- Because what was the Pinto at the time? It was the new, cheap, lightweight- modern yeah economy car they weren't heavy right they were simple right it's it, it, lots of plastic so you, there's i understand where they're coming from we only know <laughs> that it's a bad idea in hindsight which it was and, which it really was they yeah. designed a car in what uh 24 26 months yeah in two years normally it takes a car four years in this period of time to be yeah. designed well and the plane was designed in less time than that so that's also not yeah, a good everything's sign. just not uh, further good. plans for development and selling the ave mazar were immediately canceled and the company was folded the failure by the way this happened twice this welding problem Yes, they, it did. It, yes. This was at a, first, so yeah, I didn't include it because it got boring and long. But at the first test flight, this same strut came unwelded or undone from the door frame, but it was a professional test pilot flying it. And he knew, okay, as soon as I put any strain on the wings, it'll just fold. So instead of trying to turn around and like circle back to land, he just dumped it. He dumped it right into a field or whatever was beyond the, yep. the he, runway, and yep. he, he was able to salvage it. Right, because he whereas, felt it, he probably felt it and understood yeah, what was going whereas on. Whereas the, um, the company president, he was so confident in the car, it said, that he was like, we don't need a test pilot anymore. I'll test it. And he got up, and as soon as that thing let loose, he panicked, started to turn around and to the wing just go back, off. and it just folded. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the failure of the Flying Pinto has Why don't people carry more parachutes in planes? Just jump out. A lot of it, though, is like... I think they say 90% of crashes with um, airplanes happens immediately after takeoff or mm-hmm. right before landing. Right. So you're not at altitude for a parachute to do anything. Right. But there are actually more like um, civilian airplanes than you think do have emergency parachutes. I would have it on. No, no, no. The whole plane has a parachute. What? Yes. It's awesome. How is that not just... How, the physics of that sound insane. It's like basically a panel that blows out, and it's like, think space shuttle. Like a massive parachute, just, like, you can get one for your Cessna. Yeah, but how are you ever going slow enough? You I don't mean, need to be. I mean, it'll stop you. Wow. I'm just thinking of what, what the, the the physics involved of a plane that's going 100 miles an hour. And then a massive parachute, and a massive coming, parachute out. coming out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I need to see a video of that. Yeah. I know it's a thing. Okay. Anyway, continue. Sorry. All right. So the failure of the Flying Pinto hasn't hampered further development into the dream of flying cars. 
There continues to be attempts at making the Jetson-esque transport a reality through the 80s, 90s, 2000s, all the way to the present. One such venture that you wanted to talk about is the M400 Skycar. I see. I see it like their website is super nice. Yeah. Super nice website, but all the videos of it working seem like they're filmed on VHS. Yeah. A vertical takeoff and landing vehicle, the M400, has been the singular focus of inventor Paul Moeller for the past 25 years. That's why it sounds looks like it's filmed with VHS, because right. it probably is. Yes. He is the one guy who is just trying to get this thing to work. And I, I is has it flown? I mean, are you, you seeing? I just see renders. Yeah. Yeah. More recently, I see it. I see videos of it lifting off and then landing again. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the stage it's at. Uh, more recently, a company called Terrafugia has tinkered with their transition reloadable aircraft, or TRA, in order to meet the Federal Aviation Administration standards back in 2009. And even today, there is continued research into the concept. Why you may remember? Why, Jake? Why? Because Why do we it's need the this? dream? It's the dream. You, know, you looked out the window, you didn't see flying cars. Guess what? We're not in the future. You said that at the beginning of the episode. That's, it's true. Right? It's true. Do you remember, it was like two years ago or so. So we can basically blame, sorry, we can blame science fiction writers and movies for this. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's all pop culture driving oh, this. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, no, but even, I'm talking about how it's still development is going on. And do you remember a couple of years ago, Porsche had a press release about going into the third dimension? Yes. We did an episode on yes. that. Yes, and we didn't. What, what is that? What's yeah, the, it was a reference to a study that Porsche and Boeing were jointly pursuing regarding personal flying transport. Come on. Yep. The, the only way this is ever going to happen is if all transportation is autonomous. Correct. Because nobody, you and I or anybody else, should never, ever have the controls over a, basically a, a bomb, a missile, and a bomb. Right. Yeah, so with today's technology, it's becoming clear that cars themselves won't actually fly. Stop! Cars don't fly! Cars don't fly! Oh, shit! What is that from? Cars don't fly! Fast and the Furious 7, where they, like, jump the car in Dubai well, between... cars do fly in Fast and the Furious, to be, to be clear. Yes, but even Paul Walker said cars don't fly. The simple fact of the matter is that cars shouldn't fly. We may still see something that will be like an evolution of the concept, but the latest developments resemble massive people carrying drones yeah, more than a car. just a four-prop drone. Yes. These electric-powered multi-rotor vehicles will either require a pilot's license to operate, making them nothing more than a less practical helicopter, or more ambitious plans call for fully automated sky cabs. Think of like basically like Amazon delivery drones. Yeah. But you just get in like Sky Uber, you know, and it just automated I can, goes. The only way that we'll ever see flying cars is when we discover some sort of something with physics and propulsion that we don't yet understand. Like anti-gravity? Anti-gravity or some happen. sort of magnetism thing. thing. No. I, like I said, that we don't understand yeah, that, yet. That won't happen. What are you talking about? It certainly could happen. There's so much about physics. Let and me know when your anti-gravity machine starts working. <laughs> Jesus. It's not going to be me that <laughs> discovers it, Jake. Well, while it may all seem really disappointing compared to the 1950s dream of driving your flying car out of your garage and seamlessly taking to the skies, that was never really going to happen. At this rate, this is what the future will look like. Those are flying cars, but the people in them are too fat. Oh, no, I love <laughs> 
left my baby in there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's just not so practical. flying cards not for Americans? <laughs> yes, exactly. Imagine your average driver on the road today. Do you really want them flying over your house while undoubtedly applying mascara and simultaneously texting? Nope. It's terrible. No, you can't. So there you have it. The failed history of the flying car. We will never, ever have one. Nope. Never. You won't. Never, ever. Never going to happen. Maybe, maybe in 40 nope. years. No. You'll have a, like, quadcopter that you can hop in and it'll take you across town. Only if it's fully autonomous. Right. It would be. And at that point. There would be, like, okay. one of nine landing destinations. Here's the thing. Is if... From like just thinking but about that's how too this expensive. Could, it's too expensive. Why would you do that when well, rich people already have helicopters? That's right. That, that's that's the that's, deal. You have helipads on top of buildings. Autonomous cars are going to become, at some point, not soon. Everybody thinks it's soon. It's not soon. No. I don't think it is. But at some point, they're going to become so good that it's going to be just faster to just drive because you'll hop in the car. All the autonomous cars are going to be hive-minded together. You're going right. to go seamlessly into traffic. Traffic's never going to be jammed. It's always going it's to be moving. It's going to be running like 100 miles an hour. And, and you're just going to be there. You're right. It's just going to be like... A, like and a, even if you crash on the road at 100 miles an hour, you might survive. If you crash in a flying car, you're not. You're not going to survive. There is going to be no crashes when the entire thing is... Correct. Unless I'm driving around in a Chevelle SS, Wish eating will. Taco Bell and talking about how dumb seashells are. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> You really haven't seen Demolition What's Man. What's the seashell thing? That's always the question, isn't it? What? I can't tell you. What do you mean nobody that's always knows. the question? Nobody knows what the seashells are. Nobody knows. I can't help you. Okay. I can't help you with the seashells. Nobody knows. I feel like knows. this is a very obscure reference that you're just alluding to and <laughs> do not I need explaining. To explain, do I need to explain it? Yes. Okay. The- In Demolition Man, <laughs> he decides he needs to go to use the bathroom. Oh, and, that's and, right. And he comes and out. And there's no toilet and paper. And there's no toilet paper. He's like, this idiot doesn't know how to use the seashells. Ha, ha, ha. Nobody knows. They never explain. Well, clearly, it's a scooper. You just kind of wipe I, yourself with I the don't seashell. know. That doesn't sound like the future to me. <laughs> that doesn't it sound like the future to me. does not. So as we bid adieu, I'd like to leave everyone this week with the 1956 hit, You Can't Catch Me by Chuck Berry about, you guessed it, a flying car. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Take care.
Fuselage. The fuse of what? Fuse of Wazabah. <laughs>